What person comes to mind when you think about this person shares the gospel and expands the church of Jesus Christ? Who would that be? It might be a missionary, might be a pastor, an evangelist, some soul winner, Bible teacher, life group leader. Somebody probably comes to mind. Perhaps you consider the people in the Bible, particularly the New Testament, maybe they come to mind. People like John the Baptist or the Apostle Peter or the Apostle Paul. Who is it that comes to the forefront of your thinking? All of those men and women that we're thinking about have essential roles in advancing the gospel, don't they? However, if you notice that when we often think about fruitful people, we often think about those who exercise spiritual gifts that are seen or heard. So we often put the preachers or the evangelists, uh, somebody that's on the forefront of communicating the gospel in those places. Because when we often think of fruitfulness, people who are fruitful, we often envision the harvesters, but rarely do we think about those who are plowing, those who are cultivating, those who are planting. It's like we often think of the harvesters as the one who actually bring in the harvest, but there are so many others that are required for the harvest to come about. It's that way with our bodies too. We often think about that part of our bodies that is most noticeable to us. I might celebrate that my legs might help me to walk to an apple tree. I might even congratulate my arms for reaching out toward the fruit. And I might even say, wow, thank God for my hands that grab it. But without the vital oxygen coursing through my body given to me by my lungs, none of that would be possible. But I don't think about my lungs. I don't think about those inward parts. And probably you don't either. So often we think only about what is visible when considering what is viable. And I want us to say this morning, that's a mistake. That it's not just what is visible. Now, concluding the first Peter series, which I did a couple of Sundays ago, uh, maybe three Sundays ago, I could not get the final three verses of that epistle out of my mind. In fact, I kind of soft landed it. I said to you, now we might circle back here because I kind of had a feeling that this was going to be a problem. And, and you know me in my preaching long enough now, you know it's a problem for me not to get them all. And so we've left three verses like a hanging chad. We have left them and it has caused great confusion among us. So now that the beginning of the year has come, I want us to go back and stop and think about a couple of guys that Peter mentions at the end of that epistle. And I want us to think about them and what they bring to us at the beginning of this year as we contemplate what God would have in store for us in 2023. Sylvanus so and Mark. Now, as we consider this, I want to dive in to chapter 5 verse 12 today. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 12. As he's concluding the letter, he says, by, by Silvanus, a faithful brother as I regard him, I have written briefly to you exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. 
Now, in conclusion, Peter is summarizing his letter. He has written this letter of about 8,000 words. And he has exhorted and declared to the saints of the churches there in Asia Minor what the true grace of God is. And if we were going to recap this morning, it would be that Peter makes God's grace evident to all believers by reminding us that we are his elect, his chosen race, his holy nation, a people belonging to him. That's true grace. And it would be evident as we recap that we might be currently suffering, but God will restore, he will confirm, and he will strengthen and establish us now today and in the eternal future. And in his goodness, we have a living hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that God has specific and purpose plans for our lives. He's called us into a relationship with Jesus Christ and appointed us to proclaim the excellencies of our Lord. And Peter has reminded us in the letter that we are to stay strong in our faith and follow hard after Jesus Christ devotedly to him. And so I'm grateful for the reminder, that little caption of the true grace of God as we close the letter. But I'm intrigued by Silvanus, who clearly was crucial to Peter's ministry as well as the early church. Now we learn mostly of Silvanus in the book of Acts, chapters 15, 16, and 17 into the beginning of 18. But his name there is Silas. Silvanus is the Latin form of the name, uh, which makes sense. He's a Roman citizen and the, the national language of Rome is Latin. And so many people of Roman citizenship had Latin names. It's um, written differently by Luke and Acts as Silas because that's the Greek version of that. Those are interchangeable, same person. Uh, really just interchangeable names. Uh, we're accustomed to seeing that with Saul and Paul. It's not like God said to Saul, I'm going to change your name and suddenly you're going to be Paul. No, Saul is the Hebrew expression of the name and Paul is the Greek expression of that name. And so we focus on Paul often because he was the preacher to the Greeks, the Gentiles. But those names are interchangeable. And when you do a study or a search in the New Testament on the name Silas or Silvanus, you'll find him mentioned in 1 Peter, but you'll find him mentioned as well in the book of Acts along the chronicles of Paul as he had his second and third missionary journey. You'll find his name mentioned in 1 Corinthians and 1 and 2 Thessalonians. So this guy's really prominent through the scripture, but we don't know much about him. We don't know much of the work that he actually accomplished and did. It turns out, though, he is not in the forefront. He's actually very viable to the church. He's one of those guys that's important. In fact, he's listed in the scripture as a leader, a missionary, a prophet, a teacher, a secretary, an emissary. I mean, this is, this is one of those guys that, though we don't think about him often, he is critical to the life of the church and the effective gospel expansion throughout the region. So here's a guy mentioned by Peter at the end of the letter, almost sounding like a postscript, isn't it? It's almost like he's finished with it all, and here's the postscript. Nine words by Silvanus, a faithful brother as I regard him. Yet he proves to be tremendously faithful and indispensably valuable to the church. Now he's valuable for many reasons, but one of those reasons that really stood out to me as I considered him throughout the last week, is that he is a wonderful 
encourager. I'm talking about an encourager off the chart. If there was a meter of encouragement, he would be pegging out that meter. He's an astounding encourager. Luke described him as a leader among the church in Jerusalem. And someone, and listen to his words in teaching, encouraged and strengthened fellow believers. Now, by the way, if you're a Bible teacher, if you're somebody who disciples others in the Scripture, which we all should be, if you're one who stands on the platform somewhere at this church, if you're a life group leader, if you're a small group leader, and you're teaching the Bible, the purpose of your teaching the Bible is not to give truths about the Bible for just the knowledge's sake. The purpose is to declare the truths of the Bible in ways that encourages people in the truth. We want to bring about the transformation of God's word in people's life. When I'm putting together a message, I'm saying, Lord, how do you want me to express this? Kay has heard me pray this a hundred times in the last year. Lord, as I study today, would you give me the right words framed in the right way for the right people who are going to be at Meadowbrook on that Sunday? I said, I don't know your hearts. I don't know what's in your mind. I don't know your struggles like God does. So I'm asking him, take the word of truth and impact people's lives with it so that they are different. They're transformed. They're more like Jesus. They're encouraged. They're edified. They're built up. Help me, Lord, to be a communicator in that way. If you're a teacher of the Bible, that ought to be what you're doing. Now, people walk away and they say, wow, you know things that I don't know and you, you express details that I've never heard. That's amazing. If they walk away saying that, you might have failed them. But if they walk away and say, man, you taught truth today and I've heard that truth. It's like the Spirit of God spoke it straight to my heart and I'm walking away different than, wow, you've been successful in that teaching. Sylvanus so was one of those guys he wasn't just a teacher, prophet of the Bible. He was one who was known far and wide as an encourager from the truths of the Bible. I want to be that person and I want you to be that person as well. So he's a, a wonderful encourager in the truth of God's word. Now, as well as him being one who encourages in the truths of God's word, he is also one who delivers truths to others who are sort of hurting in the midst of that. You know, there was a question when converts were coming about from the Gentiles and there were a lot of people saying, well, you know, if they're going to be in, in faith in Christ, they're going to have to do this, this, and this. It's, it's what people deal with today as well, the gospel plus. There is no gospel plus, right? It's not good news if you have to keep adding to it. And so the, the council there in Jerusalem met and, and they determined by God's grace, by his spirit, and by the champion of people like Paul, that yes, Gentile converts could receive Christ by faith, have the Holy Spirit be regenerated from above and not have to do anything else. And so they needed emissaries to go on their behalf to make that known to the Gentiles. And they sent Barnabas and Silvanus to be the emissaries. And here's what they said to them. Listen, you need to know that your salvation is just like our salvation. It is by faith alone and Christ alone. And Silvanus warmly welcomed them. He opened his arms to them and embraced them. They walked away from that interaction with that man encouraged in the gospel. He's that kind of guy. 
When Paul needed somebody to go with him on the all-important second missionary journey to encourage the churches, he chose Silvanus because he is known as one who is an encourager. And if you remember the second missionary journey, Paul would have gone with Barnabas, who is known as the son of encouragement. But he and Barnabas had a little conflict about John Mark. And so when Barnabas went one direction and Paul went another to do the same work of Christ, Paul needed somebody who was going to be an encourager like Barnabas, and he chose Silvanus. This guy is an encourager. He was one who would intentionally encourage people. Could we just pause here enough to say, Lord, would you use me as an encourager that way? Would you help me to be a transformer in people's lives. What does that mean? It's not saying, oh, your hair looks good today, or that dress looks good on you, or wow, you look stylish, or, you know, it's not that. It's this. I see the character of Jesus Christ in you. I see the Spirit's work in you. I see you taking seriously the things of Christ. I see you making a difference. Ma'am, I look at your family and I say, Lord, I want to be more like them. I look at the way you're a friend to other people and I say, Lord, let me be a friend like that. Encourage people in the character of Christ. Encourage people in the way of Christ and they will walk away somewhat transformed. Could you and I take a moment right now and say, how can I begin developing that? Hey, let me just put it in a practical way. What if you and I ask the Lord for favor this week to encourage seven people? One person a day. Reach out to them by text, by phone call, by email, by personal visit. Just stop along the way when the, when the notion hits you and say, hey, let me just tell you something for a minute. And just point to the biblical truth that is expressed in their life. Point to Jesus in their life. Point to the way the word of God is in them. Point to the character that the spirit of God is developing in them by his nature that is very evident in them. Be an encourager. Let people walk away knowing that you are an encourager sent by God to them. Savanus was a remarkable man, eager to minister, faithful in his ministry, locally and beyond. He wanted to do all that he could do to impact the kingdom of Christ. And listen to this, he was perfectly happy to do it out of the limelight. He did not have to be on a platform. He did not have to be the one who was communicating openly. He was perfectly content to let other people do that and to support them in their roles. Here's what struck me this week, this past week, that Sylvanus was a prophet, but we never heard a prophecy that he uttered. Sylvanus was a preacher, but we don't know of a single message he preached except what was jointly attributed to Paul and him, that People should believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and they would be saved in their whole household. Silvanus was a singer, but the only people we knew who heard his song were his fellow Philippian jailer friends. It's an amazing accomplishment for a guy who is a prophet, a teacher, a singer, a leader, and yet we don't know the ways in which he did that. He did them. He did them well. But we can't point to all the ways that he did that. What a hero of faith. A champion of the church. A treasure for all who cherish the gospel. But knowing that we will not find him on many who's who's list in the New Testament. 
It's just not there. Now, he should be. He belongs there. He, he bore much spiritual fruit. But people often don't focus on the fruitfulness of those who plow, plant, or cultivate for a harvest. I want us to pause and do that today. To be reminded that for every fiery preacher like Peter standing before others, there are faithful ministers like Silvanus standing close by in support. And for every frontier missionary like the Apostle Paul, many partners like Silvanus are dutifully serving and sacrificing for the cause of Christ. And for every Christian writer like Peter, there are others like Silvanus involved in the critical ways. Their names may or may not be mentioned, but their support is there. For every person standing on a platform, including this platform, there are countless of other brothers and sisters out of the limelight. They are plowing, they are planting, and they are cultivating for a spiritual harvest to the honor and the glory of Christ. And today we're pausing enough to say we applaud them. We applaud you. We believe that you're making an impact. That you make a difference. So God's call to ministry is as varied as the members of the people in membership of this church. God's very gifts are given to all the membership, every one of you, God has given gifts to. And those gifts are specifically given to you because God has very purposeful plans for you individually. And as you have been brought together by the Holy Spirit to form the body at Meadowbrook, we will do things that God alone could have dreamt. We're going to do things that God alone has purposed. And because you're faithful in doing your part, it will make a difference. So the Spirit calls and he equips some in visible ways that are on the forefronts, that are on the platforms, perhaps. But the majority of people he calls and he empowers to minister faithfully and fruitfully without the spotlight. So naturally, we cheer the Apostle Paul and his ministry. He was an excellent preacher, a teacher, a discipler, a leader. Additionally, he was a man who showed remarkable stamina and courage and determination and raw grit. However, today, we're pausing as if we're watching a movie entitled The Chronicles of the Apostles. We're pausing the frame that we might look around purposefully at the supporting actors who play vital roles in the narrative. And though we love to cheer the champions of the narratives, it is obvious the epic cannot be possible without the large cast who are also in the scene. It requires all of us. In Meadowbrook, we recognize that and we're taking time this morning to do just that and calling everybody to participate in the way that God has planned. In the Mediterranean region, we notice Titus alongside of Paul. He's less talked about, but he proves to be loyal and capable. He can handle significant responsibilities. He's an amazing organizer like some of you. In fact, when it came time to organize the church there in Crete, the churches of Crete, it was Titus who was tapped for that. And he did that to a number of churches throughout the region. He's an amazing man. We don't think much about him because he's not in the limelight. But Titus proves to be a wonderful help. In Thessalonica, we see Jason 
who supported Paul and his mission team. In fact, Jason said, hey, let my, my home be the hub of ministry here in Thessalonica. And then there was a group that rose up to oppose the ministry team who was there, including Paul. But it was Jason who jeopardized his own safety by advocating on their behalf, speaking on their behalf, championing the word that was given. Now, it cost him. It cost him personally, it cost him physically, and it cost him monetarily. In fact, he was the one that had to cough up all the bail money when some of them were arrested because of all the trouble that was being brought about when the gospel was being received. It cost him that. But he was willing to pay the price because there the gospel was freeing the citizenship from idolatry that had kept them enslaved. And the resulting church that was established there, it grew quickly, becoming an example to others, spreading the gospel throughout the region. And we think a lot about the Apostle Paul and Thessalonians, uh, among the Thessalonians, but we don't think much about Jason. But Jason was vital to that ministry that was going on. Glancing to another scene, we would see Agabus, who comes as a prophet to Paul in Antioch, warning him and others about a coming famine. We see him in Jerusalem with Paul, who tells Paul by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that he is going to be arrested. He is going to be imprisoned. It's coming. We don't think much about Agabus. Some of us haven't thought about Agabus ever, but yet he's crucial. He's crucial and viable to the work of Christ in that region. And then looking around at another scene, this time in Philippi, we see Paul and Timothy and Silvanus, and they are staying at the home of a businesswoman. She has recently been born again. Now, she's been a lover of God, but she has not been born again. This mission team finds her down by the river in a prayer group, and they begin to open her eyes to the gospel as the Spirit is working in her. And they begin to share with her what it is like to be a follower of Christ Jesus, and she quickly accepts Christ, is transformed, and she insists that they stay in her home. She mandates her hospitality to be received. She has the means, listen to me, she has the means to make money. She is a fashion mogul in the high-end fashion industry. And she says, I know how to make money. I can open my wallet. I can open my home. And in doing so, she is incredibly supportive to the gospel work in Philippi. We think a lot about Paul. We think a lot about Timothy there. But you often don't think of a woman named Lydia. But yet she was so vital, so essential. If we took time, we would see others like Barnabas and John Mark and Luke and Demas and Epaphras and Epaphrodites. We would see those people who are faithful to Christ and the cause of Christ. Fruitful ministry. And listen, what I'm about to say to you is absolutely important. Like everyone mentioned here, your role in the kingdom of heaven and Meadowbrook is indispensable. Your role is indispensable. You matter to God. Your life, your soul, your service matters to Jesus Christ. And according to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, the perfect and righteous creator made you ready to advance the gospel so that you might be significant. Now, I want you to see that. Look at that verse, Ephesians 2.10. You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand 
that we should walk in them. That's an amazing verse. That's one you ought to circle and go back to. That's one you ought to star in the handout right there and come back to that because that is rich. What he's saying is that every person in this room matters to God. Your soul matters to God. Now, listen, your service matters to God. How do I know my service matters to God? Because before time began, God had planned what you were going to do. God planned your service. These good works that he had in store for you. Now, if you thought that you don't matter or that you don't matter anymore, you need to hear and trust God's word. If you've wrongly considered that your role is small and insignificant in the kingdom of God or this church, you are misguided in your understanding of God's kingdom and his citizenship that he has brought you into by faith in Jesus Christ. Now get this, you may not be exercising in the gifts that God has given you to accomplish the work that he has already purposed for you to do. And you may be disobedient to the call and the plan that God has for you. And you may not be seeking the kingdom of God first, instead seeking your own kingdom. But that doesn't change the truth about you. God has made provision for you and planned for you and he is eager for you to accomplish it. He has already readied for you to accomplish it. Now, the remedy for that kind of wrong thinking is always the same. It is confession, repentance, and belief. Confess, Lord, I am sinful in the way I've been thinking about kingdom work. I'm sinful in thinking that I don't matter, that my work is not accomplishing. I'm sinful in thinking that there are others that are greater called than me. I'm sinful in that. So right now, I repent. I turn back to the truth. I turn to Jesus in his ways. And I believe that you called me from eternity past, that you made me ready, knitting me, fashioning me in my mother's womb and all the intricate details that I have in order to accomplish what you had already set up for me to do before I was born. I believe that to be true. Now help me take the leap of faith by taking a step forward. That's where we ought to be. Everybody in this room ought to be taking that step. Lord, I confess, I repent, and I believe. Now let it be evident in the way I'm stepping in faith. Now I'm about to land this sermon. So you ought to buckle up, put your seats in the upright position, and put your tray tables away. Because I don't want you to get hurt when I land this thing. Because I'm about to bring all that, that I've talked about and try to package it in a way that God will use it to transform us. I, I want to be like Sylvanus today. I want to encourage you with truth. I want you to walk away from this place not feeling dejected, but I want you to feel accepted. I want you to walk away thinking, Lord, I thought my days were over. I thought my ministry was done, or I thought I didn't matter. But by your grace... I know different. I want you to walk away in that kind of position. You and I are like Peter or Sylvanus. If you're like Peter, that means you're probably on the forefront. You like to be the leader. You're good at it. You like to be in the, on the platform. You like to be in before people. 
And man, how we ever need people like that. Or maybe you're like Sylvanus, and you're the secretary, or you're the delivery man who delivers the word. Either way, God has purpose for you. God has a great plan for your life. Perhaps you align with Paul, that persuasive preacher. What a, what a great apologist he is. Or maybe you're more like Lydia. You're the philanthropist, the promoter of the gospel, the one who makes it so that it can all happen. Regardless of the talent or the means entrusted to you by God, I want you to know you are in your faithfulness valuable to him. And though others may be picking the fruit, your plowing and your planting and your cultivating is essential for the kingdom fruitfulness. You have your part. Now, although others may not see it, God in his spirit sees it. He planned it. He made ready for it. He called you to it. Do your part. I can name several people in my life, in my life who has had a vital role in the kingdom of God. They've impacted my life tremendously, especially when I was a boy and a teen and a young adult. So those are the people that sort of solidified who I am in Jesus Christ and gave me a great understanding of, of what it is to be kingdom, in the kingdom and kingdom-minded. Many people in this church inspire me. I could name you one by one because you serve Christ in faithful, varying, but faithful ways. And although I have studied the Bible much of my life, I find myself still stirred as I read familiar names and narratives of men and women in the kingdom of God. I could point to a number of those that have brought transformation to my life. Even so, the significance of all those people is not in them. The significance is in the God they serve. The significance is in the one who is saving them, sanctifying them, and empowering them to serve, which God prepared before time for them to do. That is the same for you and me. This is where God finds us today. So let me ask you to embrace the word. I know I haven't given you a single point yet, but in the conclusion... Here's four things that I want us to embrace. They're in the handout for you. Number one, the Spirit of God arranges Meadowbrook to meet members' needs, giving everyone an essential role. If there is a need in this church, among anybody in this church, God has already supplied someone to fill that need. You and I are for one another the way God meets needs. If you need encouragement, you'll find it in this church. If you need a friend, you'll find it in this church. If you need a mission partner, you'll find it in this church. If you need some help in some way, you'll find it in this church. And if you're going to say, this is my church, it's a helping church, then you're going to have to be the helper as well. God has aligned this church in a way that that could happen. So let me ask you, what's your part? What are you diligently doing to accomplish what God has called and provided for you. Do you have a goal? Do you have a plan in order to accomplish that? 
If you can identify your strengths that God has given you, the talent, the ability, the resources, the spiritual giftedness, what is your goal in that for 2023 to accomplish whatever that is? And are you making plans to accomplish that? Because if you're not, you'll just rock along in the current of the world and you will not be engaged in the kingdom work that God has planned before time began. So what's the goal and what's the plan and a spiritual accomplishment for fruitfulness. Secondly, God is purposeful in differing our roles. Some plant and others water, as the scripture says, but only God gives the growth. So he graciously promises each will receive his wages according to his labor. All right, see, God doesn't pay based on what somebody does. It's not like God is going to pay me eternally because I'm a preacher. No, it will be because I'm a faithful preacher or a faithful teacher or a faithful musician or a faithful singer or a faithful giver or a faithful mercy shower or a faithful encourager. See, it's not what you're doing or the specific title that you're moving toward. It's the faithfulness for which you do it. That God will reward you. And man, does he ever pay handsomely for those who are faithful. What is it that you ought to be faithful in? That God will reward you if you are. Number three. By serving, giving, and worshiping, we acknowledge a temporary sacrifice while knowing Christ will repay each person according to what he has done. All right, so like Jason found out, this is going to cost us something. Any worship, any service that's deserving of the king is going to cost us. Now, that cost is temporary. You're not going to lose anything eternally. The cost is temporary. It might be some money. It might be some time. It might be some energy. It might be some, some discretionary time or whatever. That's going to cost you. But God will repay it eternally. And that makes sense that we would say, oh, I'll defer temporarily for what is eternal. So understand that this is the call to sacrifice for today. Number four, although we render service to one another using gifts, talents, and resources entrusted to us by God, we serve intending to honor Christ who said, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So sometimes we might say, okay, I'm tired. I don't want to do this anymore. It's not like anybody's saying thank you anyway. I'm not getting any acknowledgement out of it. Listen, when we get to that place, we recognize somehow, Lord, I took my eyes off you and put it on me. Help me to refocus. This is not about me. This is about you. The service that I do, the money that I give, the mission that I go on, this is about you. I'm doing it unto you. The Lord will find us faithful when our attitude is that way. So potentially, 2023 will be the most impactful year of our lives. Potentially, this will be the year of God's service that we would say, man, 2023 was a fruitful year. I say potentially not because it's questionable whether God is going to supply every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That's without a doubt going to happen. 
The potential of 2023 lies in our faith and fortitude to be fruitful. Do we want fruitfulness? You say, well, we do. Then how are we going to be fruitful? Plowing, planting, cultivating, harvesting takes all of us. Now, with that in mind, let me close with one more verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 48. It's on the screen. I want you to read it aloud with me together. This will be the time that you need to nudge their neighbor who is asleep so that they might read. And when they read God's word, they're going to say, wow, what a remarkable message that preacher just gave. Here we go. <laughs> Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Praise the Lord. It's not in vain. When you're tired, when you're old and you thought your days were done, when you're weak, but you keep going, It's not in vain. Whether it's Peter or Sylvanus, it is not in vain. So, Lord, find us more like our faithful brother, Sylvanus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, amen.